It's a true privilege to get up here. I'm going to read the scripture today, and I'm really honored to do it. It's the living word of God. It cannot be changed, but it can change us. Amen. It's the gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 1 through 11. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. For they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find a pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. Thank you, Kyle, for setting the stage for us. Folks, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be here with you also. Um, Not just uh, being polite in saying that, but I really do appreciate you being here today and appreciate the opportunity to be here with you. I'm someone who can clean out a room. Here's a picture I snapped from the last church I spoke at last month, and you can see things were a little thin there. So everyone who's here, thank you for coming. I appreciate it very much. when I, and sort of to add insult to injury, um, when I called this church just to check on what the, the parameters are, when do you start, when do you stop, and this is a church that started at 11 o'clock and they ended at noon, and the lady said to me, we end at 12 if you don't tarry. And uh, so after it was over, it was sort of like, not many of us are coming to hear you, and we don't want to stay that long anyway. So uh, thank you for being here. Well, I appreciate being here, though, because... Uh, This particular um, message, this series, this I Am series is so valuable, so important um, to understand um, identity. Christ's identity is defined, of course, by who he is, and our identity is defined by our relationship with him. And so that is so valuable. I'm happy to have a part to play in this series. I want to give you a a little illustration of uh, relationship, too. Um, If you've been around this church for a while, which I have, um, you'll remember this fellow who's sitting in the back. Everybody's dressed in red and blue except the dad who's in green. Dads cannot get on the program sometime with everyone else. Um, If you remember, um, years ago, you'll remember Steve and Sharon Wilkins, and you might have sometimes thought, whatever happened to their kid, Kevin? If you've been around a while, well, Kevin is the dad now, and these are his eight kids that he brought with me. Now, if you weren't around and you haven't ever wondered whatever happened to that kid, Kevin Wilkins, I'm going to tell you this interesting story, and when I'm done, you'll see why I'm sharing this with you. Well, they showed up at my place a week or so ago, so Kevin and his wife, Amanda, and their eight kids. Now, I'm not real good at names, but I remember the name of every one of these kids because of the way they named them. They have four daughters, they have four sons. With the sons, they went Old Testament. So we've got Caleb, pretty classic, went to Silas, Seth, and then, you know, you still got David out there, you still got Jonathan, you got Jacob, but they didn't go that route. They went Lemuel, 
for the last guy. I had to look Lemuel up to see who Lemuel was in the Old Testament. I couldn't even remember the guy. Um, So with the daughters, though, they went floral with them. So we started off with Violet. Then we have Lily. The next daughter is Marigold. And so just like with Lemuel's a little bit out there, they went with Morning Glory for their fourth daughter. No, it wasn't Daisy, it wasn't Rose, it was Morning Glory that they went with. And the whole time they were there, they called her by all four of those syllables. She's not Glory, she's not Gloria, she's Morning Glory. So hearing that story about them, even if you don't know them, you think, these are interesting people. That's an interesting story. And if you do know them, you're happy to have gotten caught up with that family a little bit. Relationships are like that. When we know a little bit about each other, we have more of a connection. There's more to learn, there's more to know, and there's more impact to be made. And it's that way with Jesus. As we learn who he is, what these great I am statements mean, we understand something about ourselves and our relationship with him. Now, one more little bit of housekeeping before we get going. Um, In your bulletin there is what might traditionally be called a um, listening guide, but I'm not planning on you using that as a listening guide because I'm not going to necessarily follow it strictly, but also I'd like to have a little experiment. I'm considering this more of a uh, interactive engagement guide. And what I want you to do is don't even worry about the thing. Later today, when you're having lunch, when you're having dinner, um, if you're with someone that you've been here today with, pull that thing out and see if your short-term memory will allow you to continue to fill in those blanks. There's not a lot of stuff to fill in there. And just see if it helps you to engage with what we're going to share this morning. Now, if you're a person who's super disappointed because you want to doodle anyway during the message, I do have something on the bottom of the front of it. You can keep track of the number of times John comes up in the slides here, which will be quite a number of them. Um, And there's a little puzzle on the back, too, to do later, too, just to help you remember the reference. But set that thing aside for now. It's not designed to be used right now. It's designed later on to help you to recall what it is that we're going to talk about here today. I don't know about you, but sometimes I have to confess, it gets to be Tuesday, and I think what did the pastor speak about last Sunday? I have to think about it for a minute for it to come to mind. I want to try and engage our our, um, memories a bit to help us with that, the context of that. Well, when Kyle read for me today, and thank you again, Kyle, for doing that, he ended up at sort of an incredible place that you might not expect. He ended up with this great phrase, I am the good shepherd, which is sort of the marquee metaphor of this chapter. Um, As Christ talks about... um, This example and what it means, there have been centuries of study of this phrase, and millions of words have been written about this, I'm sure. Um, It's a powerful piece of self-revelation that he makes for us. Um, And this is a a sort of uh, an illustration of sheep might be um, expected to, to be talked about. Well, the problem for us is this is not what we were assigned. We weren't assigned the good shepherd, and I don't know anything about sheep. I don't know any sheep. I don't know anyone who has any sheep. We're not going to actually talk about that today. But I wanted to mention that because that's sort of the anchor point that this chapter all swirls around. Later in this series, this, the Good Shepherd will be talked about. But today, we're going to be talking about I am the door. Still some sheep, but we're not talking about the sheep. We're talking about the actual enclosure itself and how the sheep might have gone in and out. Just even the concept of the door itself. Really, I don't even plan to mention the word sheep again as I go on with this thing. There are several things um, that Jesus talks about that are the nature of a door that tell us something about himself. And I want to look at three of those things today, three things that you might expect um, a door to be about. Um, Lowe's has on their website a $10,431 door. You can spend some coin on a door if you want to. But even if you don't do that, a door does a basic sort of thing. One of the first things that you think about with a door is a door is there for protection. 
Now, I've had a story happen at, uh, in my family not that long ago that underscores this. My son was visiting. He and my wife were in the house talking. I work right next door to where we live, so I go in and out of the door all the time at the house to next door where I'm at. And we had someone come in our house. It's about 9 o'clock at night. They're sitting in the next room. They're watching TV. They're talking. Someone's coming in our house. They steal a laptop. They steal an iPhone. They steal some other things. And it takes us a little while to figure that out because those things aren't noticed missing for a few hours. And when we start to talk about where did they go, what happened, I remember seeing someone walking across the parking lot of the business I have next door in a sort of uh, interesting way that caught my attention. I thought, that person's been messing around with the cars. And I went over and looked at the cars, and the cars were locked, and there wasn't anything missing there. But they weren't messing around with the cars. They had gone into the house early in the evening with my family there in the next room over and had very brazenly taken some things. So um, we now have a uh, security door that stays locked. We now have a um, keyless entry that we used to go in and out. But the most interesting thing about what happened was these two characters were on the couch the whole time. Now, (laughs) you can tell these guys are not wicked beasts but you might expect them to bark occasionally. They do bark and they do like to do that. The guy on the right, uh, the black dog, the poodle, his name is Theo, and he's much more interested in, uh, is it time to eat? That's what the look is on his face. The other dog, um, he's the sort of guy who might say, you know, I've laid on this side a long time. Will someone roll me over to the other side so I can lay on that side? You know, these guys had this one shot to justify all the expense and all the effort of having a dog, and they blew it. They didn't make a noise when all this thing went on. So, you know, you can't trust anything except your door sometimes for protection, but you got to lock the thing. I'm the protection. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. So, so what's the point that Jesus might be making about this being this sort of protection? We've talked about a physical door, but there's a spiritual truth, a spiritual aspect to this. Well, it's a concept to allow scripture to comment on scripture. I'm going to allow John to comment on John. John's got an incredible verse that you know in John 14, 6. We'll come back to this verse several times. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, Jesus said. Now, I paid attention when you all came in today, and I noticed no one came in through the windows. Everybody came in through that door back there. When someone comes in through the window, that's not the right way to come in, right? If you're at your house and someone's coming in through the window, there's something wrong going on. There's a certain way to go in and out of a place, and a door is the proper way to do that. Well, this world is filled with all sorts of philosophies. It's filled with all sorts of heresies. It's filled with all sorts of theology. It's filled with all sorts of religions. But if those things aren't keyed to Jesus, those things are in error, Jesus is the way to know if the, um, if the philosophy that you are considering is a proper philosophy or not. Jesus is the way of um, correction and truth with that. So Jesus says, I am the door. I'm your protection from error. I'm your protection from getting um, distracted. Um, it's easy to lose your way spiritually in this world if we lose sense of him. The second thing that a door is, um, we see in John 10, 9, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And a door is also a way to have access. Just like I have to use my window illustration, it's the way that you properly go in and out of a place. So I've got a story about access. 
These two characters right here are visiting with us today, two of my grandsons. They spent a week and a half with me uh, last month and did all kinds of great things. We got a lot of good work done. Um, First part of this visit, my wife is gone. And, uh, you know, you might think um, in your sexist way of thinking that you probably have that when the woman is gone and it's just the men at home, the things spiral out of control very quickly. Well, of course, that's exactly right. That's exactly what happened. At 11 o'clock at night, one of them said to me, Pops, that's what they call me, Pops, the bathroom door won't open. Oh, yes. So how did this happen? So I come over to see. Now, I work next door and I work late. So I really hadn't even finished work yet. So I'm just finishing up and I'm just coming over. And I go and sure enough, the bathroom door won't open. Somehow we've gotten the bathroom door locked from the inside, but there ain't nobody inside to open the bathroom door to let us in. So I start to think about this. How are we going to get in this bathroom door? Now, um, the great thing about people who put bathroom doors in your house, at least in our house, is they've thought about this. And so there's a little hole in there that you can stick something in there and you can slide this door open. But I am such an honest, upstanding, law-abiding citizen, I can't even pick a lock on a door that's designed for you to pick the lock on the door and open the door. You know, I use a little credit card thing. I got this little sharp pointy thing in there. I can't get this door open. And so it's 11 at night. You know, the bathroom, we can't get in the bathroom. Our contact stuff is in there. Our toothbrushes are in there, all that sort of thing. It can't wait till morning. And my wife comes home the next day. (laughs) So we've worked to get things together. There is a second bathroom in the house, but we've cleaned this thing knowing she's coming back. So I don't want these guys to go back in and use that bathroom again. I don't want to go use that bathroom. That's her bathroom. So I decide our option is we're going in through the bathroom window. Now, I don't know if you can tell, this picture was taken at night um, to show you. That's me down there on the bottom, if you can see, and the bathroom window up there, about 12, 15 feet above me. It's not so high. So we come up with a few schemes. We could get a grappling hook and throw it up and pull ourselves up with a rope. We could stand on each other's shoulders, and probably someone would get up there. But we decide that we are going to get a ladder. But the only ladder we have is a 40-foot-long ladder. So even if you have that thing um, shrunk down, it's still 20 feet long. So this ladder's got to go way out to go up this ladder to get up to this window. So I can't send one of these boys up because the worst thing than being locked out of the bathroom is having a grandson with a broken arm and you're still locked out of the bathroom. That would be a hard thing to explain, right? So I got to go up the ladder. So these guys are holding the ladder for me and I'm going up the ladder and the ladder's starting to shake about halfway up because you know it's 20 foot long and it's kind of stretched out up there. So I get up there to the window. Now I knew the window was cracked before I got up there because the window has just been left open, you know. It's not been that hot inside. We haven't had the air conditioning on, so we just had breezes blowing through. But nobody opens the bathroom window all the way, really. It's just been cracked some. So I get up there to the window, and the ladder's on the ledge, and I'm thinking, all right, I better hold on to the ledge. What if this ladder falls? I've got to hang on to this thing. But I'm thinking also, I better hang on to this ladder because I don't want to fall off this ladder. But I'm thinking also, I've got to push this window up. So I need three hands already. What's going on here? So I'm starting to push up on the window, but nobody really opens the window all the way. So the window's kind of stiff. It's hard to get the window up. So I'm pushing down and I'm pushing up and I'm 20 feet in the air. I know I'm not that high, but it feels like that at that point. You know, and I'm thinking, this is not, it's not going well. This is not going to, this is just not how you're supposed to do this thing. But finally I get it up a little bit and I can sort of get my shoulder under there and start to wedge the window up with my body. So I've got enough that I'm in there and I get myself about halfway in. So that window's a little high, so I'm about four feet off the ground. So I've got to get in through this window, head first, four feet off the ground. You don't want to fall head first into the toilet because generally, if you've got a plan and falling head first into the toilet is part of the plan, it's a bad plan. So you don't want to do that, right? So I'm, in, I'm at this position and one of them thinks this will be a great time to take a picture. <laughs> now you notice I'm not showing you a picture like that and because... 
they didn't have whatever device they needed to get that picture. So one of them yells to me, hang on, stay right there. Misha's gone in to get his camera. So I'm super motivated to get in this window at this point. So the towel bar comes clanging down, you know, all this kind of stuff. I come falling to the floor. I don't land in the toilet, thankfully. And I open the door just as Misha is right there um, with his device to take a picture. It doesn't matter. It's all over at that point. Opening that door up, though, was a good feeling because now we have access to this place that we need to have access to. Well, the point of that ridiculous story is there's a way in and out. Jesus says, if anyone enters by me, he'll be saved and will go in and out and he will find pasture. There's one true way to access to God. If you look at our John 14 verse again, it even more emphatically says to us, I'm the access. I am the truth, the true access. Look at this uh, final verse here. No one comes to the father except through me. It's a very exclusive statement. We're going to revisit this statement again at the end of our message today. Jesus is the access. He's the protection from us going wrong. He's the access um, to heaven, to salvation. But because things happen in threes on Sunday morning, if you notice that, everything comes out in a three in a message. There's a third thing that we learn about doors from the example that Jesus gives. I'm the door. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and that they might have it more abundantly. There's very contrasting purposes between um, thieves coming to steal and kill and destroy an abundant life that Jesus promises. He draws a real distinction there. All right, so I want to give us another example from this place. So if you turn around, do not turn around. If you turn around, this is what you would see. I don't want you to turn around because if you turn around, I may not be able to get you to turn back this way. But if you were to turn around, you would see these doors behind you. You know, I'm not going to talk real loud because I don't want them to hear us, but there's people out there in the foyer right now There are people who, for whatever reason, some of them are doing work, some of them are the security, they're at the table, they have issues that it's easier and more comfortable for them to listen out there than to be in here with us. So there's always people out there while there are always people in here. That doesn't mean that we're not all in church together, but there's a separation between us because there are doors here. Now, when I took this picture last week, there was a great moment. Somebody who was out there had come to the door at that moment. He was looking through the door like this. It was sort of a, what are those people doing in there? Are they almost done? You know, because they're stuck out there until we get done in here. I didn't use that picture, of course. There's a separation between us because of those doors up there. And there's a separation that Jesus brings because of the life of destruction and death that this world has to offer and the abundant eternal life that God has to offer to us. He says to us in John, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I've come to have life that they may have it abundantly. A real separation of ideas there that we have to us. We go back to um, John 14. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Again, I am the life. Jesus comes to offer us real life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we see three qualities that a door has that Jesus draws upon for himself. Now remember in this context he's in, he's talking to religious leaders. He gives protection from error. He gives access to eternal life. He gives separation from the life of this world. Now, I'm really embarrassed to mention this because it's just too cutesy, but you notice those letters spell P-A-S, pass. So you have to pass through the door the door of Christ that he gives to us. I want to end up with an illustration where we started. These dear folks at this church that I spoke at uh, last month. 
Now, this isn't quite a fair picture. Three more people did show up by the time we started. So we had about a dozen. There's a piano player off to the side. You can't see her. And a, a lady up on the platform sort of helping me through the process itself because I hadn't been to the church before and I didn't know how they did things. So there's about a dozen of them. And you know, there's a little secret I'll let you in on. Sometimes they pay you to do this thing I'm doing right now. Now, Faith Baptist is a little cagey about that. They don't really pay you usually till the end because they want to see how well you've done, you know, if you thin the crowd out. They, they actually did give me a check today and I thought about just slipping out to Canada and not even showing up at the end of this thing. So, but I decided I would go ahead and follow through and honor the, the situation. So anyway, sometimes they pay you to do this thing I'm doing. I know it's hard to believe, isn't it? So these folks gave me a hundred bucks for showing up and doing this thing. So I got to thinking after it was over, I thought hundred dollars, there's about a dozen of them there. You know, it's about 850 a person. I wonder if we um, had sold tickets for 850, how many people would have shown up? Sunday morning, 11 a.m., Kevin Traub. <laughs> Doesn't sound like the sort of thing I'd want to buy a ticket for, but you know, their tithes went to pay for that, of course. They paid to keep the lights on and buy the paper and you know, that sort of stuff, but that's where that money came out of. And so it was interesting to think about the things that we might value that we would lay money down for, the things that we would commit for. You know, you'd pay that to go to a movie. You know, back in the day, nobody smokes anymore, right? But, you know, you spend that much on cigarettes really quick. If you were to go to a concert, it costs a lot more than that. If you uh, are someone who has to have your daily caffeine, whether it's uh, through coffee or Coke, you know, you can probably go through that pretty quickly. We lay out a fair amount of money for a fair amount of things. What kind of value would you put on showing up at this place and doing this thing? You know, we show that, of course, by our ties, but nobody stops you at the door and says, that'll be 850, please, to come in. It would be interesting to know, would we make that decision? Would we make that sort of commitment? And that's what Jesus is asking us to do. That's what accessing that door is about, is making that sort of commitment, knowing that we are in, that we've passed through that thing. You know, I get to think about the, um, the things that Christianity gets confused with or even criticized for sometimes. You can be a very good person, Mahatma Gandhi, Mother Teresa. You can be a very powerful person, the President of the United States. I put the last three up there because I thought maybe there's at least one of them that you have some fond feelings for. You know, it's hard to tell anymore. Yeah, you could be the pastor of this church. You could be someone who has a, a part to play in the life of the church itself. You could be here right now. I took this picture this morning before we started. But unless we engage with Jesus, unless we decide for Jesus, unless we reach for that doorknob, so to speak, you know, we haven't committed to passing through that door. I'm going to let John finish us with his final um, commentary on this idea. John chapter 3, super famous chapter because it's got this super famous verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he's not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. It's a real downer place to end, isn't it? But that's what Jesus came to deal with. He came to free us from the condemnation that we already have upon us. Got a great confession to make to you. Not great because I want to do it, but great because I have to do it to finish this up. Um, I lied to somebody yesterday. It wasn't a big lie, but it was a pretty good lie. 
<laughs> and the point of this lie was I was lying to them to try and get them to come this morning to be here. Now, they didn't come today, but after it was over, I thought, now that's good. I'm going to stand up in front of these people and I'm going to talk as sort of the preacher, you know, and I've done this thing for a good purpose to get someone here, but it's a bad thing that I did. They didn't come And so it was super embarrassing to have done the thing, but it's super interesting to have this opportunity to stand here before you and confess it to you. Because as a people, we just drip with unrighteousness. We are just people who are condemned by our thoughts, by our motivations, by our desires, by our actions. And Jesus gives us protection from that. He gives us access to eternal life. He gives us separation from that kind of life. We just need to decide that we have accessed that door. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, thank you for these powerful words from the book of John. Jesus was just casting about for an illustration, it seemed like, in this chapter. Something that would communicate with these religious leaders who could not understand where he was going, what he was saying, what he was attempting to do. The example of the good shepherd follows. It will follow in our series as well. But Jesus throws out this illustration almost just in an attempt to say something simple, direct, and understandable. I am the door. I am the way. Your good works, your ability, your accomplishments, your position, your possessions, none of those things are going to protect you from error. None of those things will give you access to the Father, to eternal life. None of those things will separate you from this life of death and destruction that we find ourselves in, from the chaos of this world. Lord, we thank you that you so love the world that you sent your Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Amen.